Welcome back to The Observation, the number one show in crypto and culture, sponsored by Cash App. Cash App, when personal finance meets your funds and the stuff that matters, that's money, that's Cash App. And today, uh, our show is Observations, and Maddie, MJ, Modern Chaos is out, so it's strobes on the couch. And we're starting off the show talking about that Philadelphia is on fire. The fightings are doing good. And I want to talk about this because last night the Phillies shut out the Astros 7-0, and it was honestly an amazing game. Records were broken. Two, two amazing things, that I, or there's a few amazing things about this game, actually. But what I love the most is that while Lance McCulvers was pitching, um, Bryce Harper was in the dugout um, and talking to Alex Malm, and they were basically, he, he saw some things uh, switch up um, in Lance's pitching style. And then Alex went out and hit one out of the park. It was amazing. It was electric. I mean, there's only two more games left. So I think I think the Phillies can close it. I think the Fightins have it in the bag. And not only that, of course, the Eagles now are, are still undefeated. Um, what I like about this team, and I was and I was trying to think about what I liked like about this team that's different than the last Super Bowl team, and I honestly just think it's a better defense than before. And also, what we didn't have before was if if you remember back to the last Super Bowl, uh, Carson Wentz got injured. He was playing really well that season, um, and then <laughs> poor Carson just can't stay healthy. Man, like that guy just. He can't, it's sad. Um, I don't know why I'm smiling while I'm saying that. But um, uh, then then Big Dick Nick had to come in and save the day, basically. And Nick Foles has that leadership. Like, functionally, he's not the best quarterback, but he led that team to a victory. And um, anyway, that's all to say, I think it's a better team this year. I think that, um, you know, we have some amazing corners. I think Jalen Hurts is, like, a really good leader. Uh, in the locker room, and that changes how everyone plays together. So I'm excited about uh, Philly sports in general right now. Um, and so the the Phillies play tonight at 8.03. I'll probably be at your local bar watching the game. And uh, I think I think the Eagles play a, a Thursday game this week. So um, that's your Philly sports update. You know, the observations just become like a full-blown sports show now that, now that Philly's playing well. Um, okay. All the women probably hated that, unless you're into Philly sports. Um, so we'll go to something that's a little bit more near and dear to my heart that hurt me recently, which was this carriage house. And if you know what a carriage house is in New York City, it's basically mostly in the West Village. I don't know. Fact check me on that. Where there's these old um, homes that are probably around 200-ish years old where they used to store um horses in and so it's like a carriage house and they still exist and they've been renovated but they rarely come on the market in New York City and when you do you really have to snatch one up so when I was on my way to Amsterdam I was applying for this carriage house in the West Village and it was perfect let me tell you this baby had a a fireplace in the bedroom it had a skylight it it was two stories. I thought I had found my dream home. And if you've ever found like your dream apartment, your dream home, it is the best feeling. You imagine your life there, what, everything that's going to happen, all these things. I put in an offer. I got to the final round. I was not selected. 
because it got into a bidding war. And if you know New York City real estate, it's crazy out here. It's crazy in the streets. You honestly have to bid way over what the place was. I had my limit. I knew what it was. I was not going to go over. Um, And yeah, someone else now has that carriage house. So why am I telling this story? Number one, because New York City housing is awful. And uh, I just hate it. But it made me think, okay, we're getting into winter. I want to redo my room and my living space because I feel like I just moved into my current spot and I just left everything unpacked for months and just didn't do anything about it because I was launching this podcast and I was just busy and I kind of put my living space last. <sighs> that being said, um, I decided I just wanted to throw away everything in my apartment basically <laughs> over the past like week or so. And so I pretty much got rid of everything. And I think this is a really good practice. And the reason why I'm talking about minimalism and this idea is because I think that if you listen to this podcast, that you should try this out in your own life in some format. Um, It is so cool to get rid of all the things that you own. Hear me out. Like that mattress meme where it's like the guy with the mattress on the floor. Do you know what I'm talking about, Josh? There's like a dude with the mattress, no headboard and nothing. That's actually peak success, in my opinion, because nothing owns you um, or you don't own anything, so nothing owns you. And I think that's pretty cool. Like you're just kind of a free person. And through this exercise of getting rid of all my shit, I realized, number one, I didn't want most of it. And I loved, I got like addicted to throwing things out. And then number two, once you get rid rid of more stuff, you have more room to play with. Like you know what you're playing with in your room. And I feel like that translates to life in terms of your energy and your time. Once you just cut stuff, it almost all opens up and then things start to fit in different ways. Or you can move something to another part of the room that you never thought could be there. I just think this is important. I think it's important with relationships, energy, time, your room. And um, anyway, this is just my my, my take on minimalism. Um, but then this is where there's a little curveball here. I ordered a mirror because I wanted to put two new things in and I don't know. And maybe people in the, in the comments can answer this for me. I I've read books on feng shui growing up because my mom randomly had them in our house growing up. Um, and I ordered this mirror and when it got to my room, I didn't feel right. It, it creeped me out I unboxed the mirror and I put it up and it felt like a portal like almost demonic. It was a new mirror, but it felt weird facing the bed. And I know this is a big no-no because I YouTubed it and basically found out that you should not have a bed facing the mirror, which seems pretty like intuitive that you wouldn't want a mirror facing your bed because it's just too too much yang energy, they say. But I, I don't know what to say about it besides that it just freaked me out and that your mirror should be away from your bed entirely if you do choose to have it in the room. There's also a take that you should just have no mirrors in your room and it's not feng shui at all. I want people to like, let me know. I might get rid of the mirror entirely as well just because it's throwing off the vibes and I don't know what's going on. So if you're a feng shui expert in the comments, let me know because I don't, I don't know about this mirror in my room and it's freaking me out. Um, okay. I feel like I got that off my chest. Um, (laughs) I'm also having a birthday very, very soon 
So I need to I need to figure out what I'm doing for the observation for for my birthday. But another sort of observation realization that I had was I was this is a milestone birthday for me. So I wanted to um, go to Paris or do something bougie. Um, and I think birthdays are so hard. And I usually hate birthdays because I just feel like everyone pisses me off or like disappoints me in some way or like someone doesn't show up to your birthday or someone doesn't wish you a happy birthday and okay growing up as a twin I just want to say this this is some fucked up shit but as a twin I I was like in the Facebook era when people used to write on your wall happy birthday and remember that was like such a feeling like when people would write on your wall or your timeline of like happy birthday and you'd get like 500 people that wrote that I used to count it every year, by the way. I was such a freak. Um, And, like, there would be people that would wish my twin brother, born six minutes after me, a happy birthday, but not me. Almost out of spite. People that don't like you. Or, like, liked your brother. And they would do that to him, too. So messed up. Why do you do that to twins? It's not cool. Um, That being said, I decided to, instead of, jet setting off to some foreign country or whatever to stay in New York. And we're actually going to go to upstate New York, rented this really, really sick cabin. And I'm just, like I've said on Twitter, I'm in my cozy era. I want to be cozy. I'm going to light a fire. It has a hot tub, a sauna, um, and I'm just going to have really good food, lots of cheese boards. I'm really excited about it. I just booked it last night. So I'm, I'm pumped for the planning Um, and maybe my twin brother will fly out and come. So that would be really fun. And my younger brother, Brian, shout out to Brian, just the not twin of the family circle dynamic. He actually looks more like my twin. My younger brother looks more like my twin than my actual twin. Now away from my personal life, um, developments, but into some, some really serious news that's happening in the crypto world this week. Um, the co-founder of MakerDAO was found dead in Puerto Rico. He's only 29 years old. His name is Nikolai Mushigian. I might have butchered that. Um, but what's notable about this is, number one, it does not look like it is an accident. Uh, and it definitely doesn't look like he killed himself. And his last tweet re- reads out, CIA and Mossad and pedo elite are running some kind of sex trafficking entrapment, blackmail ring out of Puerto Rico and the Caribbean islands. They're going to frame me with a laptop planted by my ex-girlfriend who was a spy. They will torture me to death. Um, That's an insane last tweet to put out. Um, I think weirdly, the girlfriend who was a spy is really odd. I don't know how many people have girlfriends that are spies, um, but very, very odd. And I mean, they said they will torture me to death. It seems like I don't know if this happened or not, but they did find his body in some uh, parts of Puerto Rico where the currents are very strong. So this reminds me a lot of actually some other prominent people who have passed away or died an untimely death, one of them being John McAfee. Um, And this was one of his last messages. He said in a cryptic tweet last year, that if he was found hanged behind bars like Jeffrey Epstein, it would be no fault of mine. Um, So it feels pretty crazy uh, to see a similar thing happen. And another person that I think of when I hear this is Justin Bieber talked about this crazy like pedo world 
that is in Hollywood. And then we hear about this world, they're like this idea of this secret society with a lot of money and a lot of cash keeps coming up. Um, and then no one believes it. And then people are just basically killed. Like the Epstein thing, we know, everyone knows that's a hit, right? Like, I, I mean, there's just no way that wasn't a hit. Um, but if you go into the tweets and uh, Dylan LeClaire from Bitcoin Magazine kind of put together like the breaking news of this passing, um, he's, he like basically was uh, signaling for a while that people were after him. Um, so we can kind of put these tweets out there for you if you're interested in the description. Um, but yeah, the whole thing is is pretty wild. Obviously, it's really sad to hear um, of someone passing so young and so soon, especially in the crypto space. Um, so you just wonder what, what's going down sometimes when you get involved with with certain people. And it's a dangerous world out there. People gotta people gotta be safe. Who you trust, who you meddle with, like I don't know. That that was just that news definitely shocked me. Um, Moving to the Elon Musk Twitter takeover that has been basically been playing out all week. Uh, Elon obviously is now actually taking over Twitter. He's running the show. Um, and as he said, he was going to fire a lot of people. So he fired Parag, uh, CFO Ned Segal, the entire Twitter board, um, and... <laughs> There was just a lot of chaos at the headquarters. Basically, um, people were walking out with boxes. It was like this real dramatic scene of engineers and people. And as it, I mean, there's nothing positive about people getting fired for their jobs. Like I'm not here happy that anyone's lost their jobs, but this is a company and it needs to be run like a company. So I give, give Elon a shot of like hiring and firing the way he thinks that the company should run. Um, we haven't seen anything play out yet. One of the funny things that happened last week is there were people dressed up as like disgruntled Twitter employees and they were walking out with their boxes and like a book of Michelle Obama's memoirs and like basically posing as people who just got fired from Twitter. And the Daily Mail took pictures of them and ran it in the news. And these people were not. They were just making jokes and um, like, Grifting. It was kind of funny though, um, because like they trolled the media so hard in the interviews, and it was clearly obvious that these guys did not work at Twitter. But um, the first week's been controversial. Um, he has also hired a few people um, in addition to firing a bunch of people. So he's hired um, Jason Kalanakis, David Sachs. Uh, Tesla engineers, uh, CRM Krishnan from Andreessen. And so, you know, we'll see how that plays out. It's very interesting. I wonder what that feels like when like Elon taps you for a job. You definitely are not saying no. It feels like when you're getting tapped for like a cabinet position in the administration is kind of what this whole thing feels like. Um, but one controversial thing happening this week is that the verification process is basically under review and people are looking at how you should be verified and um, Elon wants to monetize and make Twitter profitable and wants people to pay $8 a month. I thought it was 20 at one point to be verified, which all the bots would pay for. Like that just feels not it to me. Um, 
but you know, it is what it is. Um, and then the other piece of news is that permanently banned counts are going to be reviewed. So there's a board that's basically that's going to reconsider if your account should be back on Twitter. Um, so what are the implications of that? So if like t- Trump comes back, does everyone just flip out? Um, and you know, Andrew Tate and other people who've been deplatformed. We'll see what happens. It's interesting. Um, Elon's really hated. Like I was in. I tweeted this out, but I was in. The office on Monday and there was um, like our neighbor, basically, we got in this conversation about what I do. And I was talking about this podcast and and how it grew from me having an account on Twitter. And he goes, oh, you should get off Twitter. And I was like, why? And he said, Elon. And that was it. And I just, honestly, I just don't have the energy to argue with random people. And I don't even feel passionately one way or the other about Elon running Twitter or not running Twitter, you know, I, I genuinely don't care. But it's funny that people are so passionate about getting off Twitter when we haven't even seen what Elon is going to do yet. So I'm just going to wait it out, see what happens. Um, obviously, you want the best for it. Like, Twitter is my largest platform. I want only good things to happen to Twitter and only sending positive vibes towards the Twitter HQ. Um We are dropping a vlog, the Amsterdam vlog. So I've talked a little bit about Amsterdam, went to Amsterdam for the Bitcoin Amsterdam conference, and it is maybe the most unhinged um, vlog that we've ever put out of all time. Um, My parents definitely aren't going to like this one. Um, As the first scene is me uh, smoking a little joint on the canals. Um... But it's really funny, and it, and it goes around, and it shows a lot about Amsterdam. It shows a lot about the conference and what it looks like to be um, running around and being at a conference and how chaotic that can feel. And it also has a cameo for my good friend Dan Held. So check that out. It'll be up on our YouTube channel. And last but not least, it is almost daylight savings time. And... What is daylight savings to an Arizonian? Nothing, because there was no daylight savings in Arizona growing up. It doesn't exist in Arizona. Fun fact. Um, so when I moved to the East Coast, which is Arizona just ahead of its time in that way, but did not have Martin Luther King Day for almost, I don't know, until like 10 years ago. Very racist Arizona, but very progressive on time, like <laughs> on daylight savings. Um Anyway, um, it was initially proposed over 200 years ago as an economical suggestion to maximize daylight hours and conserve candles. You know, us, who need candles. My opinion on daylight savings is we shouldn't fuck with the clocks. As someone who has tried to switch to a 24-hour clock on her phone, but is struggling to know what time it is most of the time... (laughs) Um, it's not because I can't do math. I get it most of the time, but weirdly towards the end of the day, all those hours are messy when it's like 23, obviously 11, but when it's like 21, I don't know. My brain glitches out there. Don't know what time it is, but it's kind of nice. If you don't know what time it is, you don't have to be on time. That's not true. I also just want to say the weather in New York right now is God tier. It is November and 70 degrees. And I'm going to go outside after this show. Frolic around. 
Thank you so much for tuning into The Observation. We'll be back next week. I hope you have a great weekend and good luck and guts. Thank you.